They showboat is noticed wherever they go. They dazzle you with their charm and professionalism. Welcome aboard the Silver Dollar Showboats. That voice you just heard is that of Scott Stevenson, better known as the Silver Dollar Man, but in my youth I was known as Showboat. Thus, the name of the podcast, which is Silver Dollar Showboats. And I have with somebody I've never met before, Doug Horn. And the thing I found out here just reading in your bio is that rarely do I ever meet anybody who's been born in the nation's capital. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> but uh, I was, and? I always tell people I was born outside the United States. It's a it's a dangerous place today, evidently. But uh, back then, it was, uh, it was kind of a fun place to visit and tour and what have you. But I don't know today if that's still true. Where were you born there? Uh, women's... The I was born in George Washington Hospital. So. Oh, you were born in George Washington. Well, I was in Maryland because my dad went to George Washington University. That's and we lived in Virginia, actually. Arlington. I yeah, lived in Arlington, Silver Spring, yeah. if you know where that is. Should I say you're retired or should I say you're with Horn Man? No, I uh, I retired when I hit the box. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, I've, I fortunately have a very – I've had a couple of sons work for me, and they've both been very good. And I have one that, uh, that was with me for – several years then went on to something else but oh, uh-huh. then i have my oldest son that stayed with me and he has been just fabulous and uh both of them are really good but he's he, he stayed with me for the long haul and uh and fortunately he takes care of a lot of the day-to-day activities now yep. but i still come in for meetings and so make, you're not help, retired i help make some of the big decisions when we decide what we're going to spend money on and what have you but uh so I retire when I hit the pine box. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean now. Well, uh, so let me ask you how you ended up in Washington, D.C. Because are your parents originally from there? My or what dad were you doing and there mom, in my dad was born in Richfield, but they but he ended up working for the government when he was, on his early career. And uh, that's why we were in the in the Washington, D.C. area. We lived in Arlington, but we, and then he later, of course, branched out into, on his own business. But he was working for the government at the time, so that's why he happened to be back east. So he was working for the government, and then you left, and where did you go from there? Where did I go from there? Yeah, or well, your, my your, dad, your parents. My dad uh, had a real bad case of asthma, and so he needed to find some way to cure that, and we ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona, and it totally took care of his asthma. He had never had a problem with it after that, so that we went from, from Virginia to uh, – Phoenix, Arizona. Down to Phoenix. In fact, my mother, I know she suffered uh, also a lot from arthritis and that, and I remember that my parents were always talking about moving to Arizona for that reason, too. So that's yeah, it interesting. It really made a different life for him. It just mm-hmm. took care of his asthma big time, so it was great. So tell me a little bit about the, your your beginnings in, uh, in your life and then into what business you got into. Okay, well... How far back do you want to go? All the way to the beginning. I mean, <laughs> just just business only, or do you? Yeah, in just the... give us a little background about your your personal life when well, you were I, young, uh, and, then, and then why you decided to get into your business. I, I, well, I was a graduate also of BYU, and I uh, took my first job. I, I was a business management. That was my degree, and I first job I got was with a bank, United California Bank, and I spent almost. This was kind of a bad decision I made. I was just about six months from being vested. <laughs> but I had this idea that I could do better by going out on my own. So I didn't I, I, I didn't uh, stay for that 10 years, but I would put about nine and a half years in with the bank because I was at the time working for the, uh, for the real estate part of the bank. 
And, and, I can and see. where was this at? This was in this was in uh, California. In California, uh-huh. because yeah, because we when we got, after I got married to my good wife, we we uh, settled in California because mm-hmm. that's where my first job ended up in in uh, downtown Los Angeles. But that wasn't. But the real estate wasn't the first part. I I actually became a branch manager and then lady in a branch. And then later I I moved over into the real estate department of the bank, and I could see all the money that these developers were making us said, why am i loaning the money why am i not on the other side of the fence and so that kind of motivated me to do a rationale if you will to leave the bank and not worry about the vesting i tried to do the math but i don't think it was probably something i should have done i should have waited another six or seven months and got vested but i didn't but anyway i went out and started doing uh, custom homes in california building them well i had a, I had a building partner and so we yeah teamed up together and and so he would do the construction part i'd do a lot of the other things to take care of the financing and so forth and we ended up developing custom homes for a while and then i from there uh it ended up that my my dad at this during this time had left the government job and he became a uh, real estate developer of his own and also a builder he had a construction company called james stewart construction company and that built various buildings, office buildings, what have you. But he ended up developing a, uh, while I'm doing this custom home stuff, he ended up developing some hotels, one in in Albuquerque and one in uh, Salt Lake City, called the, which is now called the Plaza Hotel, right down next to Temple Square. Uh-huh. And the uh, he knew how to develop them, but he didn't really have anybody specialized in operating them. So I says, well, why don't I jump in and see if I can figure out how to operate these things? And so I did, and I kind of fell in love with the hotel business and um, uh, did some, took care of those couple of hotels for him. But then I ended up branching out of my own, and we started to develop some some hotels. I actually actually had three hotels that I had bought and, and sold in Provo. Uh, Utah that are now all parking lots. Oh, really? They're all parking yeah. lots now, but I, I that's where I, I had three of three different ones there. So that was kind of fun. I got I thank my dad for that opportunity to learn about how to operate motels or hotels. I should say we didn't know any motels. We did yeah. hotels, and I kind of fell in love with that part of the business. And so I, I started to branch out from there into hotels, not just uh, custom homes. And then I left my partner at this point in time and started to do stuff. On my on own, own with other partners and so forth. So, mm-hmm. and that developed into other things later on. Well, you sound a little bit like the uh, Marriotts. The Marriotts. Well, family. we're not uh, <laughs> in that category. Uh, speaking of the Marriotts, I'll tell you a story about that. That's very interesting. My my dad was a uh, he and my mom. You know, just after he left the government, was a developer. He had a dis- this desire to be. Um, in fact, I don't know if he was working for the government at the time or not, but he had his eye on this piece of land. He and my mom would go out to this corner that he was interested in, because this is the old school, and they would sit there by themselves and count cars as they went by. Oh, yeah. They didn't uh-huh. have any computers to do this kind of stuff back then. They just count cars. 
and they figured out this was a pretty good uh, piece of land. And so this, and I can't tell you the actual location, but this ended up being the first hot shop property for Marriott. Oh, yeah. He he got into the land and bought the land somehow, and then he sold that to Marriott for a hot shop, which, by the way, is still one of my favorite restaurants. I wish we still had them. Yeah. I love the old hot shop. I do, too. It, it It turned out to be kind of, Kind of helped him get get going in the mm-hmm. business he wanted to do. Is so he kind of wanted to wrap branch out on his own, left the government. So he uh, and later became a very successful developer of his own, of mm-hmm. course. So uh, and had a construction company, what have you, but, but but did a lot of different things over the years. Going back to the beginning when you started your business, is there anything you would, any advice that you would? give to young entrepreneurs well let me tell you the one story that i that i think is very important my dad taught me a very good lesson which is something i kind of had built into my soul anyway i think but he kind of confirmed it with me but he was a very good businessman but a very strong man of integrity and he got involved like most entrepreneurs we always get involved in some things that don't work out so well we're that's why we're called probably riverboat gamblers i guess yeah but uh (laughs) Because any entrepreneur, if he's honest, will tell you that everything didn't turn out to be gold. Yeah. Sometimes you get a pot of porridge or something, you don't get gold. But he got involved in a watermelon deal out in, I think, close to Tucson, Arizona. Just about bankrupted him. And he probably could have taken out bankruptcy at the time. But that wasn't what he was made of. And so he fought through that thing and paid every single dime back to the banks. And that uh, that proved to be very uh, beneficial for him because from that point on, he could always borrow any of the money he wanted to borrow because he had a reputation of if he borrowed it, he'd pay it back. Yeah. And so he he uh, instilled in me the importance of always having strong integrity in everything you do, and if mm-hmm. you promise you'll do something, you just you just do it and. Uh, so I've taken the philosophy over the years, if you want to have a little bit of my philosophy, is that it doesn't matter so much what's on the written piece of paper. What's more important is what you've told people you will do, yeah. whether it's on the piece of paper or not, because that's what people will, that's what builds your reputation. When people say that you will do something and you do it, then they'll want to do business with you. If you're one of those guys that kind of tries to skirt around things and right. make your own way different in a different way, it doesn't work so well. And I, if I were probably to have any success through the years, which I've fortunately have had, I think it's because people knew they could trust me, so to speak. You know, they yeah. could work through it. And I had hard, and I had hard times financially. I had times when my wife and I would sit and say. We don't know how we're going to pay these bills, but somehow we did. You know, when you're getting through, you're getting through your younger years, and you're trying to yeah, develop sure. things to go for. You had times when you didn't know. And how many kids do you have? Nine, nine children. Nine children. Wow. Two didn't of them see. passed away from cancer, which was hard, but uh, we still have seven left. Wow, I'm <clears> sorry <throat> to hear that. Yeah, that, that had to ba- have been rough. That was back in 2019, but uh, oh, but anyway, so uh, there I am. Many years later and still kicking, so to speak. Well, you know, this is part of the thing I, you know, in my, in talking with my own father who was in his, who died here a couple of years ago and he was in his early 90s. That kind of, you know, your word is uh, like gold. It's kind of been lost in the, um, over the time, you know? It just seems like people just say whatever they want to say and then, and then don't care whether they follow through or not. 
Well, I've kind of had a similar experience that he had a little bit, not the, not the watermelon farm, but uh, I've, I've had, of course, a lot of smaller things that didn't work out so well that uh, where I've let's say squandered some money, so to speak, and uh, but uh, been able to make a couple of several good investments too mm-hmm. that have turned out okay. But one thing that that uh, was an interesting story is I own a golf course called Talents Cove Golf Course out in the Saratoga Springs. When we went out in that area with some partners and we were de- wanted to develop some houses, actually did a lot of lots out in the And how long Springs. ago was that? Gosh, that was back in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. One silver dollar editor's note, Doug actually started this in the early 1990s, not the early 2000s, as was said. When we went out to Saratoga Springs, there was nothing. There was no such thing as a Saratoga Springs. Yeah. All there was were a lot of rapids. <laughs> it, it, that, I mean, that, seriously, that's, there was nothing out there. Anything you see out there now was not there. We were the very first ones to come out to Saratoga Springs and start something. In fact, it's interesting. My dad, when he was alive, he used to drive down I-15 and look over to the west and say, you know, someday that's going to be very valuable land. He didn't, he didn't, and I think he ended up, and he actually ended up buying a little piece of it, and I ended up buying it back from him. But uh, it, and he, his prediction was certainly right. That place is just, there's so many rooftops now and more going up. Yeah. It's amazing. But back then, it was just rabbits. And we brought the water out and so forth. And we were, we were asked to start. It was Governor, uh, Governor uh, who was our pre- recent governor? Uh, the one before Cox? Yes. Um. <laughs> why, can I, why, can I, why can I think of that? I should know his name really well, but yes. uh, he was the one that yeah, was the uh, county commissioner at the time. He said, "You guys have got to start your own city because we the, the county can't can't uh, can't support what you're doing out here." So we actually uh, we actually started the city. We went around with petitions and asked people to see if they want to be part of this new city called Saratoga Springs, and so we were actually the the beginners and starters, if you want to call it that way, of Saratoga Springs, which who knew at that time that there'd be a temple there and, yeah. and all these massive amounts of people and other developments. It was amazing. I've got a number of relatives that live in Saratoga Springs. Yeah, so it was, uh, why can't I think of his name? I'm, I'm losing it. Huh? Is it Matheson? No. It, um, uh, it's just so silly I can't think of that because I've always had so much dealings with him, but... Um, it might come later, but anyway, so we did. We started a city and we we developed the land. But part of the deal was I we promised people we'd build a golf course. So the four of us, I made the at the time anyway. It seemed like the stupid decision to raise my hand and say, "Okay, I'll do the golf course," because I love golf. Mm-hmm. And but I got a golf course partner that uh, supposedly was the um, specialist. He knew golf course business, so to speak, and I only had twenty percent of it of the golf course because the development that where we're developing lots and so forth we they gave us some land to be able to do the golf course after a year or so he filed bankruptcy so i ended up with with so i could have and i could have i really could have walked away from this deal but i felt an obligation that we promised the city we promised the uh the community we're going to build this golf course and i was determined to make it happen and so I took it on myself, found out that nobody had been paid for three months. The architect, the guys that were out there 
doing dirt and everything. Yeah. They, they've been out for three months working and haven't been paid. I didn't realize that because the other guy was, my partner was taking care of all the bills, asking me for money when he needed it. But mm -hmm. uh, so I ended up uh, bailing that thing out of bankruptcy and probably counting the time that I that he filed bankruptcy, it probably, it's probably 19, 20 years I carried that thing as a feed. I fed that golf course every single year until the year, the, until the COVID year, which was 2020. Remember, we developed this thing way back in the early 2000s. The golf course opened in 2004, but I'd put money into it long before that time to develop it. And it lost money every single year. Every, every year was a feed. Every year was feed it, feed it, feed it. And, uh, and my son who came into the business later with me said, he says, Dad, you know, we got to do something about this. We don't. How long do you want to keep feeding this thing? So finally, I, I kind of had faith that someday this thing would turn out to something good. I just had that feeling in my, in my gut, and I was willing to stick with it. Probably stuck with it a lot longer than most guys would have done because it was a big feat every year. We always, it was always our, quote, tax write-off for, yeah. <laughs> for, for our other business dealings where we actually made money. But... In 2020, we turned that corner. That was a COVID year. And we actually made our first true operating profit in 2020. Why do you and, think, too, that did COVID have something to do well, with it? Well, it had a couple of, couple of things. We were able to, we, uh, we've had some, we had, I had a, a good manager before then. He did a lot to bring in a lot of business from corporate corporations and what have you and got Talents Cove on the map. And then later we brought in another manager, and and she was uh, she turned out to be very good also. But we we kind of figure out how to not only do the revenue side, but also be really careful about our expenses. And so uh, that year, and then the people were just anxious to get out of the house. They were just tired of being cooped up in the house with this COVID stuff, and they just they, they early early in the year they kept calling saying, "Wait, well, is your golf course open? Is your golf course open?" So we, so anyway, that was the first year that we actually did a a true operating profit, and then in 2021 we increased our profits from the year before. So now I think we have turned the corner, and it's that's because of course there's a lot more rooftops out there now too. Yes, yeah, a lot more people out there now to support the golf course. When we built it, of course, it was we were the only ones out there. I mean, it's hard. There was just our development. That was it. Now who knows? I can't tell you what the population of Saratoga Springs is now, but it's it's just it's a booming community. It's really going crazy, and uh, every rooftop helps us with what we're doing. And and we and the one thing we've done is we've kept the golf course. Uh, we've kept it up nicely. In mm -hmm. other words, it's not a it's not a weed patch. Do you it's have a, to be a it's member? A, it's a very it a club. It's a, it's a very nice golf course. We don't have yeah. a, we don't. It's not a private club. Okay. It's a public golf course, but we've kept we've had uh, we've had the the uh, Utah Open out there a couple of years. We've had some qualifying for some of the prestigious tournaments that guys want to go to out there, and so it's it's a well respected golf course. What got you into golf? I mean, you say you loved um, it, but I, think, I mean, did I you think start young? My, uh, dad, my dad was a golfer, and so he got me into it. He was a golf nut. He loved golf, and so he got, got me to love golf. And that, and it's funny that I've loved golf, and I, and I had this golf course that I owned, but I only had one son uh, that uh, that took up golf. The rest of them 
did other kind of sports activities, yeah. but the only one that uh, decided he wanted to be serious about golf, and he became a real good golfer. But uh, but anyway, uh, uh, this thing has turned around because we've we've learned how to not only just bring in the business, we've learned how to con- control our expenses better and not have so much inventory in the clubhouse and what have you. And, and now what's happening, we're going to put some more money into the place and we're going to make this place a very, uh, a premier place for for wedding receptions and weddings. We've always had wedding receptions there in the past. Yes. But it's been kind of a middle secondary kind a of middle thing. of the road kind of a kind of a wedding venue if you will you yeah because our views out there are just fabulous the views out of our clubhouse the the brides just love it but the rest of our amenities didn't quite they weren't up to par of what you what do you want to have for a really fancy wedding so we're going to put the money in this year into making that a real prestigious wedding venue for weddings and that'll be on top of what we do in the golf and so uh, that's going to be, and with the temple, yep, the, the right LDS there. temple being out there, we've had just we've had probably the double or triple the inquiries about weddings that we've had in the past. So that's why you feel it's proper. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. That's why, well, it's, that's, it that's why it's the right time to do. They keep asking, you, you know. Yeah. But so we figure we need to improve our facilities so we can get better. We'll get we'll get better prices on our weddings if we do that. So anyway, we're moving well. That's that, interesting because when you were mentioning the temple being built, I was thinking, well, I don't know. I, well, what what is the advantage of having the temple close it's, by? It's huge. And that's it's it. huge because yes. a lot of weddings out there. And they, a ton of and, weddings. And we want to be the we want to be the premier place, the, the place that they want to come. Sure, it's just down the street. Very, yeah. it's within five minutes of the temple. Beautiful. And uh, the views we have out of there are f- fantastic. But the other part of our amenities aren't quite up to par where we mm-hmm. like them. So we're going to fix that this year, and that'll be that'll help us increase our revenue as well. Sure. So it's uh, it's. Now that's now my son isn't quite as anxious to sell it as the past, but <laughs> I mean he's still he's no, he's still he's, we still look at that as a possibility. Yeah. But uh, but in the past when you're when you're losing money, you know, you either have to give it away or who wants it, you know. Yeah. Now that we're making money, we probably could have somebody that actually could get interested in buying it. But now we kind of I've I've suffered through it for these many many years. I don't I didn't want to. Even, yeah, at this even point, though I didn't really want to sell for that reason, I just kind yeah. of felt like I've stuck with it during the bad years. I want to enjoy some of the better years. Sure. So, so we've hung on to that, but uh, that was just. And golf is not our business. I mean, that's just something we in, I inherited because I raised my hand and said I do the golf course because we're really developers, and uh, that's our business, and not uh, not, not necessarily not, not, not golf courses. Golf <laughs> yeah. courses are generally not a very good business as a as a rule. Yeah. You got places like Pebble Pebble Beach. I mean, you don't you know yeah. at three hundred and fifty five five hundred dollars around, you yeah. made money doing you can that. Make some money doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna uh, do well this year too. We we think it's gonna be a it's a it's a is the temple done down there yet? It's not finished yet, but yeah. they're getting close, and they'll have their open houses this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they'll open for I don't know if they could open for weddings. If they do, it'll be towards the end of the year, yeah. I suspect. But they are going to have their open house pretty quick. So, I mean, you had, you have nine kids. Two, only two of them have gotten involved in the business. I have two. Now, my two sons. Uh, one was named Ryan. One was named Mark. Ryan uh, came with us for a while and helped do a lot of developing of buying homes and fixing them up and doing other things. And he he increased our revenues a lot in in that area. And then Mark is my eldest son. He 
he was working for a CPA firm, and he he came on board, and he came on board first, and then Ryan came later. But then Ryan decided to do, he had a vision of something else he wanted to do, so he's moved that direction, and Marcus stayed, and, and so, uh, and he's been, uh, and both of them are really good, and Mark has been, Mark's now developed his own contacts and his own people he does business with, so we've expanded. You know, here's the interesting thing is, Typically, uh, you know, I have to, I have to kind of thank my good old pappy. You know, he helped us get a solid start. You know, for you know having these hotels that I yeah. got, got involved in and so forth, but in uh, other things. But sometimes the second or third generations end up not doing so well, losing the money. But knock on wood, uh, <laughs> I've I've been able to continue to grow the business, and now Mark and my other son that helped out, we've now been able to have the third generation is doing a lot to increase our businesses. So we're we're hopefully bucking that trend, and the second or third generations are keeping the uh, their prospect beers alive. So Well, so what kind of advice could you give to young entrepreneurs? I mean, you know, uh, a lot of people, they look at somebody being a, a, you know, a developer, an entrepreneur, and they think that's exciting, and there there is things that they're exciting Well, you have to be that, careful because yeah, those things are always expensive, and you don't yeah. want, you want to start small, not, not not jump into the big stuff right away. I mean, I've had my share of deals, things I've invested in uh, that have not worked out so well, but I'll answer your question here. Sure. I just thought brought me a this story to my mind. We were looking at a hotel in Salt Lake City. Had almost 400 rooms. It had gone into bank receivership. And the number of people that had been looking at trying to buy this hotel, uh, how would you call it? We, we were kind of late getting into that program. We just found out about it kind of late. But it turned out we were able to make the deal with the bank that they accepted. And that turned out to be a very, very fortuitous thing of that hotel was really turned out to be very it was scary because we i was talking to my controller at the time and we had a i think at the time and this is i can't tell you the year exactly but it was a lot of money there was like a hundred thousand dollar carry every year just to keep that hotel alive mm-hmm. i mean a hundred thousand dollars a month not a year a hundred thousand dollars a month oh, and it says that we, so we it says are we do we really want to do this you know <laughs> and because that was a big deal but uh and i and i think i uh I, at the time, I think I asked my my dad if he wanted to get involved in it too. He was getting a little older too, but he decided to put some money into it as well. The lesson that I can pass on to other entrepreneurs, I think some of the other people that were involved were maybe were trying to squeeze the bank for all they could squeeze them for, and we just went in and made a deal that they could accept and that seemed to be good for both ends, and they accepted it. Mm-hmm. And so we got the deal, and it was going to be a very, very very good deal for for our people on that particular deal even though it was a scary carry each month but it worked yeah. out very well we got we had some good good people managing the hotel and what have you and we we did very well on that deal turns out and when you look back over your career and your lifetime as far as a professional accomplishment what brings you the most satisfaction that deal was one that did of course mm-hmm. i'm i'm satisfied i'm i'm glad what I'm, what's happening with the golf course right now actually <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds really like it's it's but worked if I were out to give well a, if i were to give advice to young entrepreneurs i'd say i'd say that integrity is such a big deal i've had a banker that that was very creative and he would make he'd make me loans that would did not make any sense he convinced his board of directors that 
character was more important than some of the numbers. In fact, I had another banker that on the golf course lent us money to build the clubhouse. I give him financial statements, and all the financial statements were losses. Every year was a loss, a loss, a loss. But they made us the loan anyway because they trusted the people they were dealing with. And it's very, very important that if you establish that reputation that you will do what you say you will do, and you'll and they got paid every month, every month, even though the, even though that was a uh, even though the golf course was losing money, and they built this helped us build this clubhouse, we never missed a payment. And things like that help you in the future, help you grow your business in the future because right. people know they can trust you. Do you find that banks, are, the, are they that way now? I mean, is there personal relationships? that I knew this banker really well, and he knew me really well, and so he, he took a chance on me. But uh, it's a lot about personal relationships. It really mm-hmm. is. That's something, that, that's something that my son has continued to develop. He's got his own people that he's gotten involved with too that we've tr- that we've trusted and we uh we're budding our friendships you know they're expanding so to speak but uh it's just so important you do what you say you'll do and and make the sacrifices you need to make to to make it happen and i have to say one thing before i forget to say this i don't want to get too carried away with this but i give my heavenly father mm-hmm. a lot of the credit for my successes because i've always been trying to be true to him and I feel that has a lot to do with my successes as well. That that's where it's that's very important to have your spiritual side of your life in order, which I think I tried to keep in order, and I think that's made a lot of difference over the years to help us be successful as well. Well, that's a I, I love what you're having to say here because you know, you, uh, particularly when you read about some of these big entrepreneurs who have become famous and whatnot, and you look in their backgrounds, and there's so much. Um, trauma in their lives uh yeah. i mean you look at them and they're they're successful but if you, but you really don't want to be them sometimes it's a i shouldn't i don't want to get into politics so i won't say anything but you, you sometimes can get into you can be successful by being dishonest sometimes i yeah. guess and that's not our that's not how we want to do it that's not what we've done and i think so for that reason we've we got people that know that we can be trusted and so that's so i would say to young entrepreneurs we try don't try to don't try to take the big bite right off the bat. Grow kind of small, get things figured out. One business where I was not successful, where I lost some good money, was we got into a a, a donut business. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. I don't know much about donuts except I like the donut they were producing, and their first store was really profitable. But the problem was these partners that we got involved with, because I was kind of a silent partner, because they were really the the ones that developed the first store, and I just came in as a silent partner, but they started to really get things in their eyes that were too big for what we were doing. They started to expand too fast, yeah, and they started to get a lot of overhead with corporate offices and this and that and whatever. So the overhead became much more than we could handle with the business we had. So instead of just taking the first door, which was successful, and now doing the second one, Without any, without adding a lot of overhead and just kind of picking the picking it carefully, we they tried to grow fast overnight and it just and the business just in a couple of years it went kaput and it was too bad because it was a it was a good donut. Interesting that you should say that because I worked for a company when I first came out here. You know, I, I moved out here several just a few years ago from the east, and I worked for a company that ended up going belly up too. And I thought that was part of the problem too is that you get businesses 
they start to succeed and then they think, oh, well, now I'm succeeding. Now let's go into this city and that city and this city. And they expand so fast they can't keep yeah. – they, they, they kill Got themselves. Got this fancy office and yeah. they uh, started spending money out here and doing they, – they expanded too fast. So that you got to – the first operation, that was profitable. We should have stayed with that and then very carefully picked a second yeah. operation. And then mm-hmm. let's make that profitable before we go into our third one. And it didn't work out. That wasn't the the plan. And it was like I say, I was more of a silent partner at the time. But uh, but that was a mistake. Just trying to grow too fast and and getting too big for our britches, so to speak. That was a non-success. That was, that was a failure. Okay. Well, you've given three good pieces of advice here that I can get. One, have integrity in your business. There are some successful people that are that are not with integrity, but it, usually it ends up exploding at sure. some point. I mean, at one point they may look successful, but down sure. the road it eventually blows up. Uh, so having integrity, remembering not to expand too quickly, and also recognizing he who – is behind your success uh, a well, higher power? I, I, like I say, I like I really do. I give my 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 Savior Jesus Christ and my mm-hmm. Heavenly Father credit for. I, I'm not smart enough to do it all myself, <laughs> so I, so I need all the help I can get, and I feel like I've had I've had their help, but I, but I don't think you get that help if you try to. Yeah, you, you got to be you got to be the right. You need to keep yourself. I mean, I've made my mistakes, but you just have to try to be the best person you can be and have people feel like they can they can trust you and do what you say you'll do, and that makes a lot of difference. If you think you're you start thinking you're, you're smarter than everybody else, that's when you may that's when you may get yourself in trouble because yeah. And I think the thing that I found that and I think that what's helped us is to be surrounded by good people. Other people that also have developed have those same that have also of, developed reputations where they yeah. can be, where they can be trusted and be involved in, because my dad my dad always had a great saying uh, that I learned something from as well. He said partnerships are easy to get into, very hard to get out of. Mm. So if you get yourself into a bad partnership, it's really difficult. To, and I've faced some of those issues through my years. It's hard to get out of a bad partnership if you get some partners that aren't the kind of people you wanted to be involved with there's a lot of misery involved there and so i i've i've seen that come to fruition in my life where i've gotten involved in some partnerships that i haven't been um <laughs> that i haven't loved so to speak yeah and, it, and it's hard it is hard to get out of them and uh, but so you got to be careful when you get to make sure you know who you're make sure you can trust the people you're getting involved with and know know as much as you can about them before you jump in just to don't jump in with anybody yeah and there's nothing worse than getting involved with a partner in any kind of business uh and finding out when you're in the middle of it that they're not the kind of people that you want to do that you don't even like their business practice yeah it's it's easy to it's easy to sometimes to get the, the dollar bills float in your eyes you think yeah. you got to get involved in this thing but you got to be careful not to do that be choose carefully who you who you do business, who you who you do business with, and who you who your circle is, so to speak, and get involved with good people because that'll that'll make a difference. It doesn't mean that they're everything they touch is going to turn to gold, but at least if you deal with people that are honest and you can trust them, it it usually works out okay. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about your business. What about and just going a little bit into your private life? What what is what accomplishments? What things have meant a lot to you? About your private life? Probably my biggest thing is 
first marrying cor- married correctly. I have my good wife, Margie. We've been married now 50, gosh, I'll do this wrong now. I think it's 50, <laughs> 50, 55 years, I think it is. And, Don't find uh, too many of those these that's days. That's the first thing is um, is uh, got a great, great wife that we've we've had a great time together. And, and, um, and I've got... Great kids! All my kids are just wonderful young young people, and they've they've uh, we've tried to teach them correct principles. I think they followed along those same lines and kept those principles alive in their lives. And so I think the so I think one of my busy, biggest successes, if you want to call it that, would be not my my business success, but my success hopefully in in having great children and helping them to get going down the right path, so to speak, and get their lives going the right direction and they've all been just great kids and we've like i say we've lost two of them but uh, we're still close to the to their in-laws and what have you and the their spouses and what have you and it's been a, it's been a great great thing with our family the family's all families always usually should be and can be and should be your number one objective in life because when we pass on, we're not going to be able to take much of what we've developed in the in our business aspects with us, but our family relationships will stay with us. Well, I always remember a, a quote. Uh, it's kind of a joke. A well-to-do businessman died, and people asked, you know, well, how much did he leave behind? And the answer was all of it. <laughs> there's, no, there's, not, there's none of it going to the other side. And yeah. – the world is really, in my opinion, is in such need of strong families because from those strong families comes great people uh, that can lead uh, business, the world, politics, everything. Everything comes from strong families. It's so nice to talk to someone who recognizes that, understands that, and realizes that you know this is the greatest contribution anyone can make. That would have a lot to do with solving some of our national and international mm-hmm. problems we're facing today if we had strong families with fathers mothers and yeah. tra- traditional families if you will and and uh we're, we're lacking that throughout the world it seems like and it's it's showing and what the the world is and uh, i still love the world we're in i still love the country i live in but uh but i think we've lost vision of how important it is to have strong families yeah, and in particular, I think, uh, I mean, I, I've heard you mention your father uh, several times, and over the course of my life, I found myself quoting my father many, many times, just small things that he would say to me, and the role of the father has been, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it just seems to me that it's been somewhat diminished, uh, the role that a man should be taking as a father of his children and how powerful that can be. And that's not taking away at all from what sure. a mother does. It's just a different No, mothers a different have a role. very special place, too. They're, they're really they're probably the unsung heroes in yes. some cases. They're really the ones that, they're, they're the ones that keep, in my opinion, they're the ones that glue that keeps the family yes. really together. Yeah. They really are. And they don't, they, they usually don't, they usually do it in a very quiet, unassuming way. Mm-hmm. But if you but if you lose them and, and they pass away, then you figure out how much you miss them. Yes, and how important they were to the family. You know what I'm saying. So it's mothers are just the jewels that they that they. I mean they're they, they are just fab. They're unsung heroes in my opinion. Yes, so. they are. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about? I mean, a point that you'd like to make, or or any kind of advice that you you'd like to give i know that in uh, long after you're gone this podcast will be around 
and your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your children would be able to uh, hear your voice and... Well, I always try to think when I go to bed each night, I say, well, if there's somebody that I can make a difference with tomorrow, can I lift somebody tomorrow? And I've always, I've tried to do that. Uh, maybe not maybe not always when I was younger, but as I've learned the importance of that, I've tried to always find some way to lift people and make them feel better about themselves, if you will, and that's proved to be a very beneficial thing throughout my life. And so I've developed some wonderful friends and relationships that uh, sometimes my wife gets frustrated with me because like she says I talk too much. You always kind of roll her eyes sometimes when I would say some things and so forth, but I'd, we, I've developed some really fun, fun relationships over the years and it's been wonderful and I've, I've felt that's been an important part of my life to just try to build people up, make them feel as, as best they can be. People can say whatever they want to say, but you know, when you lift other people, it, it also lifts you. It you does. Study? It really does. It, uh, you, it, it really does. That's, that's exactly right. It, it, there's, somehow people feel like if they help somebody else sometimes or they do build somebody else, it takes something away from yourself, but that just is not true. It, you can build other people, and it, it builds yourself and builds your own character, I think, in, in so many ways. So that's, the, that's an important thing to do is to try to make other people feel good and important. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've called this podcast Showboat, and like I said, to some degree, some people look at it, you know. In fact, it, it, you know, I, I'd had people sometimes in a negative kind of connotation say Showboat is somebody who, who puts themselves out there, but I look at more of a Showboat of, of a person who when they pass by, people automatically look at them, and they notice them because they're a person who stands out. And most of the time, that's a person who stands out who's lifting somebody else and making them feel better about who they are. My kids might get mad at me if I don't do this, so I'm going to see if I can name all of them correctly now. So I've got Steve, then there's Lisa, and Mark, and Stephanie, then three boys, Darren, Ryan, and Tyler. And then we had two girls at the end, Shauna and Michelle. I hope that counts up to nine. <laughs> I, hope I, I wasn't keeping track. I hope I got them all. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Steve, Lisa, Mark, Stephanie, Darren, Ryan, Tyler, Sean, and Michelle. Yes. Yeah. And they're all great kids. And the, my youngest daughter, is, she decided to branch out and has a crumble Cookie? franchise back in San Antonio, Texas, and doing very well with it. So... She's got the entrepreneurial spirit, but and my uh, of course my the two sons I mentioned that were in business with yes. me they both mm -hmm. have entrepreneurial spirits and everybody's different. All my kids are just great in their own in their in their own right and their own they all just, just I'm just glad I I'm glad I have them. I'm glad I'm glad Heavenly Father gave them to me. Okay. Well, we're, I'm, we love them all. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to come here and talk with me today. If somebody is wants to reach out with to your management group, how could they get a hold of you? Well, the best thing to do is to call our office number, which would be 801-373-4510, and um, one of our controllers will answer the phone, and then we'll usually decide from there whether there's something of interest that would interest us further to go to, you know to talk more to the that particular person so that's the best place that's the best number to call 801-373-4510 that's our business office in the home management group and they can get a hold of us that way and we, if there's somebody that has some thought about something that makes sense we're happy to listen we we're 
still riverboat gamblers, so to speak. <laughs> well, when I think it's your boat, maybe, I think maybe, river- maybe smarter, maybe smarter <laughs> riverboat gamblers now because we don't take maybe quite the same risk maybe I took when I was a younger younger man. But so we try to we try to be not quite. The, we don't just throw we don't just roll the dice, so yeah. to speak. But we. Uh, Try to look at things more carefully, but but we're happy to still listen to ideas and thoughts that people have, and and uh, there's always sometimes you you get involved in something that one other thing we had a we were developing we 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 already developed one hotel in Alaska called in Anchorage Anchorage Alaska, and that we had a a deal where they where they somebody had a, a the ability to buy it in three years if they wanted it, and unfortunately it was doing well, so they bought it back from us. <laughs> After we developed it, and then we were building a courtyard up there, got it all framed, and an arsonist burned it down. So that oh, was wow. that was an interesting. That was that was one of the biggest fires in Anchorage it ever had. But we're doing some other. We're up in an area. We're doing some other things in a, some other areas up there in Alaska. So we're trying to develop some more hotel properties up in Alaska because that seems to be a a uh, strong market. But anyway, I just. I just the only advice I can give people is be true to yourself because it uh, you know you 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 can take certain things with you when you leave this life but hopefully the one thing you, you want to take with you is a reputation for being a, a good man and an honest man and somebody who treats people correctly and not to say that I haven't made my mistakes earlier in the years that I haven't yeah. always been perfect that's for sure but hopefully I've learned from them so you got to learn to you need to. You need to learn from your mistakes and then go forward and try to do better. I'm so happy that you've taken the time to come on here on two Silver Dollar Showboats and uh, talk to us and give us some good sound advice. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Don't go down the river of life unnoticed by being a tugboat. Get educated at www.askusutah.com. Everyone can be a showboat. You just have to want it.